Welcome to Peeling the Onion Podcast with Cheryl Passwater and Nancy Campbell, where we have real conversations about what it takes to dive deep into the unique journey of healing. Health is not a win-lose game. Join us and our amazing guests to explore the layers of physical, mental, and spiritual health. So grab a drink, go for a walk, get cozy, and let's peel the onion. Welcome to Peeling the Onion Podcast. I'm super excited. Nancy's here. Actually, I'm dispatching from Atlanta, Georgia today. So Nancy and I are in the same city. Whoop, whoop. But but different locations, sadly. (laughs) I know. She's just so down the road. It's so strange, but wonderful. Yes. Oh, but we're so excited to have a a super amazing guest and a friend of yours, Cheryl. And we have we've informed everybody, Laura, of your your background and bio in our intro already. But will you just give us a like the nutshell, you know, snapshot of who you are, what you do, and um, and who you support in your work. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I again, and thank you for having me on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, my name is Laura Salyer. I'm a physician who survived burnout by accidentally tapping into my own creative flow state. Mm. And that launched me on a trajectory to really understand how stress and cortisol can impact everybody's health. Um, right. I ended up resigning at my family practice uh, occupation and opening up my own clinic in functional medicine after getting certified. And I still wasn't done. I wanted to join the Flow Research Collective and really understand the neuroscience, the power of creative flow. And I literally prescribe that to my patients, to the practitioners that I mentor, and I'm on a mission to teach 1 million health practitioners how they can strategically align their day with creative flow so they can optimize their well-being. Mm. And okay. yes, yes, I, I, amen to all of that. But will you will you please define for us what creative flow means? Yes, and then well, I want you to tell us what yes. is burnout. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, let's go reverse. Let's talk about burnout, and then we'll talk about why flow is related. You know, um, burnout is three things: it is depersonalization, low perceived achievement, and emotional exhaustion. That's the criteria for the DSM for the for the diagnosis code. And it's a deep sense of grief. And when you put all of our brains in a functional MRI, if half of us are burned out we have the same brain pattern as grief in our brain. So if you think about that, you're going to work in a despondent state, you have brain fog, you can't make clear decisions, you feel hopeless, you feel disengaged, you feel cynical. These are all very, very common symptoms of burnout. And we have structure to deal with grief. We have vocabulary. We have support groups. We even have a framework of how we deal with grief. We've normalized it successfully because that is human. We're all going to have grief. I would like to also suggest we normalize burnout. Burnout happens. We're not going to solve it. It is not a problem to be solved. It is an emotion, a state of mind that you are going to experience, and it can impact your career, your marriage, your parenting, your friendships. And so I'm on this mission to show the, the retroactive fitting equation of burnout, which is flow. And if you look at creative flow or any flow state in the brain, which is a term coined by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, he discovered this, it has the opposite characteristics of, of burnout. It actually is engagement, enthusiasm. You feel anchored to a bigger purpose. Your ego mm-hmm. dissolves. You have this timelessness. You really get into this state and all of us have experienced it. 
it it's really common in kids. Kids are just supremely good at flow because they don't have an ego. You know, they haven't kind of become an adult where you have to do things a certain way and have weird society rules that make no sense. Kids are just kids. And so this is their love language. They're in flow all the time. So I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, on a mission to teach adults how to be kids again. Yes. Yes. I mean, I think I it's really, you've nailed it on the head. And I think too, we are on this go, 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 go all the time. We've lost, you know, and you know, I was on Laura's podcast, um, a few months ago, I think on episode 24 of the catalyst, just so yes. anybody wants to go back and listen to it. But we yes. talked about this, like play, we've lost mm-hmm. the ability to play and just mm-hmm. making space for ourselves and making okay for whoopsies and creative, mm-hmm. you know, and knowing that it's all right. Yes. I think that's it. Adults are so, we, we love those sticker charts, don't we? We like to do things good. We like to accomplish things, but then we become almost fused with those accomplishments and we measure our self-worth based on our credentials. And imposter syndrome is real. I can't tell you how many practitioners would say, oh, I can't do that yet. I have to get certified or I have to get another class. I'm not confident in that yet. No, you know what? Mm, Apply your knowledge. You've got it all up in here. And, and I think as adults, we, we are very tuned to labels and many of us don't say or feel that we are creative because we get stuck on that word. Like, no, 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 I'm not creative. And creativity is simple. It literally is anything new, meaningful. It's the words coming out of your mouth. It's how you dress. It's how you cook in the kitchen. It's how you make your jokes, what music you listen to. It doesn't mean you have to be Picasso or Michelangelo. And so that's part of the, the, the shell I have to push past with a lot of practitioners because they're thinking, well, I'm not creative, but you are. And you just have to, you know, kind of unmask that and let it fly. I I don't want to stereotype a practitioner here, but I want to just jump in and say there there's a certain build, a certain mind and a certain drive and a certain level of, dare I say, perfectionism that must, that has to, I think, to a certain extent, come in to Absolutely. also fit the bill of, of medical school. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to be up for punishment when you're going into the right. medical profession, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and just to, just to, you know, acquire knowledge and to, and to, you know, practice that knowledge and and retain it and be disciplined enough um, to take all that on and and thank goodness right we we need great practitioners we we need people who are driven to do that and people and and like a lot of us in you know in various parts of our economy or have to be driven and and you know constantly fighting to be the top and if we're not the top then 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 somehow we're failing and I feel like there's so much shame tied to it so how do you unravel you know these like layers of shame and wiring that that I mean from from early to age like I think Brene Brown has said that from the starting around third grade or third to fourth grade that 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 counter relationship with creativity um, starts and that if you're no longer able to like, you know, when you're little and you're like, oh, this is great. I don't care. It's smeared finger painting. It's beautiful. Then you get through first grade, third grade, and then all of a sudden you're drawing a person and it doesn't look like a person. Then somehow you're not a good artist. And then immediately there's like this like creative wound that happens and, and it starts to whittle down our view of ourselves. Sorry, that was a bit of a 
<laughs> yeah, no. So of a rabbit so, hole, but right. So it, you know, studies show that you know you kind of mentioned in that first part of your question that yeah. you know practitioners have to be driven, have to be very gritty. Um, in fact, psychological grit is one of the metrics they measured in a cohort of physicians and found that physicians don't need more resiliency. We are at the top of the resiliency score. Right. And it's not lack of resiliency that makes people lose 400 physicians a year to suicide. It's not lack of resiliency that makes people burned out. It's not that there's a defect in you. In fact, the ones that are the highest of resilience scores still suffered 29% of burnout. So it still happens. And, Mm -hmm. And that's where the systems have failed that, you know, we're trying to do these, you know, you know, kind of experiences that, that tell physicians or nurses or any, anybody, and I use this term just interchangeably, anybody in a a self, uh, help, um, or helping profession, therapists, you know, teachers, all the things, police officers, um, here's like, uh, you know, here's a tote bag. Thank you for your, for your service. Here's, here's a free coffee. Here's, you know, it's not going to cut it. And so, these system changes aren't going to happen in our lifetime, but what we need to do is plant the seeds of conversation that you alluded to with Brene Brown is starting to prime our brain of this awareness. And our brain loves predictive patterns. We love to be right. Our brain will look for more reasons to align with that prediction. So if we open the conversation and allow in our employee lounge room, a feelings wheel attached to the wall, and you have people anonymously put a pin on whatever feeling they're feeling. They don't have to be telling people, but they're, they're understanding that feelings impact your cortisol and your stress. And then they're, they're understanding this conversation is okay. It slowly unravels the shame and allows them to be a little more creative in how they express themselves. So we're all learning. And I think just priming our brain with that awareness that creativity is healing period, full stop. I mean, studies will show that that activity will translate to well-being long after that activity is done. So even just saying this as a modality that, you know, yes, take your vitamins, get your sleep, you know, exercise. But then here I am saying creativity is a sixth vital sign. You need to do this every day. And that's kind of my tagline is we've got the vital signs of temperature, blood pressure, pulse, respiratory rate. Those are very objective. Those keep you alive somehow pain got put in there. I disagree. I think life is painful. Plus it's not our jobs to take the pain all away. Um, but let's add a six vital sign. What else keeps you alive? Creativity. And when we ask patients, what do you do for joy? When's the last time you dusted that hobby off the shelf? What do you do to play? And if we make this a common conversation, it doesn't feel as weird and quirky. It's just expected, you know? So that's kind of exactly what I'm saying is I'd love for this to become more of an awareness in everybody. I love that. Will you tell us more about how you recognize your own burnout and tell us a little bit more about your journey? Where did you, because you were in family medicine. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, You know, living the dream. Honestly, I did not come from a family of doctors. Actually, I came from a family of funeral directors. So nothing scares me. My babies (laughs) did, my, my Barbies didn't have dream houses. They, they had many funerals. So, you know, (laughs) <laughs> I got lots of stories, but um, that's for another So time. much more makes sense right now for me. Doesn't so, it? Yes, Doesn't know, it right? all makes sense, right? Um, and so I did not recognize my own burnout. That's the risk. Burnout is not recognized by many people because you don't really know. And this is why we're, we're trying to make this more of an awareness. But when I was six years ago, you know, doing the typical rural family practice 
life, uh, you know, babies to grandmas, sewing up lacerations, setting fractures, doing a lot of women's health, IUDs. I loved it, but I loved the theory. The reality was not what I signed up for. It was so, it was very quickly changing underfoot. My visits were shorter and shorter. I was feeling more and more belabored with just administrative tasks and clicking and typing. And, you know, you can talk to any health provider and they'll say, yep, that's what healthcare is. And so at the time, I remember just feeling like lost. I didn't know. I had meetings with my administrators and I said, I, I don't know what's going on, but I need to change. I need to do something different. I don't know, maybe a lateral move to something else. I felt like I needed to get a perch just to, to catch my breath. I felt like I had lost myself in the profession. It what I couldn't express my personality. I couldn't. I, you know, and actually one of the tipping points too came when I had a, an email memo that came as a reminder memo. Do you ever do that where like somebody at the top sends a general memo, but then you get another one that's special just to you kind of to highlight the memo, like in case you didn't see it, this one's for you. And it was saying you can't wear skirts and boots and leggings and tights. And I was like, that was kind of my trifecta. I was kind of known for like, just <laughs> being like kind of different. And yeah. I felt appalled. Like it was like my manager said, just making sure you saw this. And I'm like, wow, well, oh, well. And at the point at that day, actually I had bright blue leggings on and I'm just like, <laughs> all right, message received. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, and this is how it is. My, my, my husband works in a clinic and he had to take down all of his, his personal photos. You know, it's just, it, everything has to be branded. You know, it just felt very sterile. It felt at that point, I thought I've got to do something different. Um, and there's a series of other, you know, things you can read all about it in my book, Right Brain Rescue, go for it. I have all of my burnout stories there, but really it came down to that, this critical point where the reality did not match the expectation anymore. And it felt like, like a divorce, you know, and that's really a, a letter I wrote to Kevin MD and op-ed where I said, Hippocrates, I want a divorce. You know, I, I should have signed a prenup. I, I thought this was going to work out. We had all the things on paper. We should have been a great couple, but, um, when I thought I'd be carrying in like a Norman Rockwell family situation, you know, stethoscope to the fuzzy chest of a teddy bear. I had imagined all these things. And I knew doctors that did that when I was training and I was emulating that, but it became so sterile and so distant. I became like a robot with a clipboard or a clipboard. And I felt like it was sort of the wool pulled over, pulled over my eyes. Like, okay, okay, Hippocrates, you said we were going to do this thing. And now you're talking about ICD-10 codes and modifiers. And, you know, you're worried about, you know, all these other metrics that don't mean anything to the wellness of a person. So yeah. that was my long story short. And it launched me on that painting, drawing, running. I started doing things accidentally just to make myself feel better, you know, since... Yeah. Since burnout is grief, I was like a grieving widow. I was like, what can I do? You know, I started doing these things and then I started feeling better. And I fell into the lap of functional medicine through IFM, just happenstance. And my my mind was blown. I had no idea this even existed. This is what I've wanted to do all along. I thought this is what I wanted. I wanted supplements and 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 biochemistry and really the deep root part of medicine. So I knew exactly. Once I saw that, I absolutely knew where I wanted to go, you know, and it's hard when you're unknowing, you're in this lost land of like, everything sounds like a good idea. I, I could be a cake decorator. Sure. I could, you know, I could do all sorts of things, 
But then once I saw what that was, that gave me the template for, ah, that's how I want to change lives. I want to show people the connection between stress, cortisol, burnout, how to retroactively peel back the layers and reclaim some of your uniqueness and vitality. So yeah, that was six years ago. And I've been, I've been happy ever since with the caveat, it's not all wine and roses and unicorns. You know, you're going right. to, you know, I'm always learning, you know, how I can recognize my own signs of burnout because they still happen. And I pedal back and I, you know, put more boundaries in and, you know, all about all that stuff. So well, can you share what your, what, what are your symptoms of burnout? Ah, so my symptoms are cynicism. I get, uh, I, or, or sighing, you know, lots of sighing, like, Oh, you know, just that feeling of, I got to go to work, you know, and we all have that, right? I mean, even I love my job. I I get to work with the the smartest patients in my Wisconsin, Green County area who are really progressive and interested in learning about, you know, root cause. I love what I do. I also love all the practitioners around the world that I'm mentoring. I love speaking. I mean, I get asked to invite and speak in keynote. There's nothing about this that I don't love. But when I'm sighing and I'm feeling exasperated, that's telling me that somehow I did not protect my boundaries. Because if I don't protect my boundaries of time, you can't have flow. You can't have creativity. Creativity needs space and oxygen to breathe. And if I am stacking things up so quickly, it's my own fault. So that is part of where I learn. Like if I walk into my beautiful office again, I love where I am and I'm sighing or I'm feeling like, oh, I can't do it today, then I tell myself, okay, where did you not protect a boundary? Did you say yes to too many things? Did you, you know, where can you say no? And and I immediately go on this like kind of hunt, you know, where, where can I open up space for myself? And, you know, and I do that right away. So I've gotten better at, at kind of, you know, giving more oxygen to my world. Yeah. How, how has COVID affected you? Like how, how have the last two, two and a half years had an impact on you. I, I feel like so many of us are kind of coming out of some some level of burnout just in managing. Girl, yes. Oh, I don't know. Okay, there's many layers to this. So professionally, <laughs> professionally, yes. COVID was fine for me because I had already started group visits in my practice. I was doing things online. So it really was kind of a net zero professionally Good. for my clinic. And professionally, I'm an ambivert. I'm an extrovert and introvert. So I kind of like that I can speak virtually from my office. You know, I'm like, hey, I don't have to get, you know, so there's like parts of the COVID stuff that I'm like, okay. But really it's, I think, taught us how when you have constraints, you do have to be more creative. You know, we've expanded telemedicine. We've we've had to become innovative. So I kind of like it. It's sort of like a shot in the ass of healthcare. Like, yeah. hey, not literally, but you know what I mean? Um, that you have to, you have <laughs> to be creative on how you administer medicine and healthcare. And I kind of like that because we've been yeah. going down this road of this is how we've always done it. And it's like, you know what? health and wellness can exist outside the four walls of an exam room. And that's what I'm proving is I, I don't do all of my medical care in our one-on-one visits. I invite, you know, my people into a group setting and really expand their brain. So it's kind of nice. Cause I feel like it made everybody have an instant submersion in, okay, we got to be creative. All of us, we're all going to have to be innovative. So let's do it. So I'm, I've kind yeah. of looked at it as a positive and of course there's darkness, but you can't have the light without the dark. So it's all, it's all welcome in my world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I was feeling like COVID pushed everybody in different directions to have to, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're doing so good just to be on the treadmill. 
a lot of us, you know, we're managing families and lives and partners and, 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 and work-life balance. And that treadmill just keeps you going one foot in front of the other. And then COVID just kept adding these like crazy yes. Lego blocks know, to the treadmill. Yeah. On the treadmill, oh, right? Or it speed it up. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. And I think you're right, Nancy, is that has been the best thing that this ha- did for us. I mean, all mm-hmm. of us, I don't think I've I've met any friend or, or a person I've talked to that didn't say, wow, that was a really nice break. Cause I got to then pause again, mm-hmm. here's the canvas, the blank canvas, the oxygen that creativity needs. We need space. And when you had, were forced to put everything down and pause And I understand I'm blanketing this simplistically that, you know, this was very tough for people, especially that had jobs that required, like they didn't get paid during this pause. So it wasn't like a vacation. And some people didn't stop working. Right. And some people didn't stop working. Exactly. Exactly. But like in this pause on your social calendar, at least all of us had that pause where it's like, oh, okay, well, I things are a bit harder for me to get together with people. And so Mm. you're having to look at what it feels like to have space and to not feel obligated. And as a, as a working mom, that's a glorious gift that I think families are sadly forgetting already. I mean, I'm already talking to friends that are like, I'm so busy. I'm running the kids everywhere. I'm doing, they're back on the treadmill. And, Mm -hmm. and I feel like I want to go to that treadmill and just kind of tap down the speed just a little bit and take off a few Lego blocks and say, you don't have to run. You can walk and you'll still get a cardio benefit. You know, I mean, right. Yeah. Right. There's silver linings, right? It's like these Mm -hmm. little silver linings, like for better, for worse. You know what I mean? Like with all things. And it's like, it is a good reminder. You know, it's like, let's take, let's pluck the things that were good, reintroduce some of the things that work, yes. you know, that work that you want back. And, you know, it really, um, there's a different sort of take the lesson from it. You know yes. what I mean? And it's like, yes. it's like people will be like, oh, we're going back to normal. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. not exactly. It's right. a new normal. There's it a new is normal. It is. It's, it's very much in the like what are we have normalized? And yes, yes. You know, it's like I don't even like calling it a new normal. I just, I'm like it's a shift. It's a yes. it's a plot mm. twist. It's a you yes. Know, it's M Night Shyamalan at his best. You know. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and you know, it is. It's very much you know channeling Viktor Frankl in this, who did lots of you know he's quoted all the time in post traumatic stress. You know, growth. And, and we're all choosing, hopefully, to grow from this. And I, the sadness I see is when it doesn't, you know, it, divides, it divides families. It's been, you know, divisive in many ways. But really to look at this opportunity for growth. And like you said, taking the good lessons from it and only introducing back into your lives those that make the A-list. You know, only saying yes if it's completely aligned with your heart, your mind, your values. And not doing things out of obligation. You know, I mean, life is too short. Like let's, let's really like get out there and live how we want to live. You know, that's right. That's right. And it just cut, cut the fat. It's kind of how it felt to me. Like, let's just trim the fat. Let's, let's get rid of the stuff that doesn't work. Um, and I think, um, what I've noticed in, in my community is just like, if you come across people who were, putting up with that, like either collecting more fat or not able to trim that fat or complaining about the fat or not able to like shed and set better boundaries. It's sort of like, 
girl, didn't you, didn't we do this for the last well, and years? I think, like, are we, yeah, what's going on? Like, and you know, thank God yourself. for, yeah. Thank God for places like TikTok university, which I love because I'm learning, <laughs> you get all these great creators out there, you know, it's that, true. that it's really true. teach good mental health principles, yeah. at least the side that I'm on. I love my TikTok feed. No, I and think it's opened up a whole conversation. It I, it's I mean, opened and up. I, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, go. Yeah. I was just going to say it, it's changed how I parent my kids. I mean, I yeah. really have, um, you know, always been a supporter of mental health. My sister's a psychologist. So my kids, we all go to therapy. It's always been something that we always do. It's just part of like, you know, being well and healthy, but it's really helped me highlight the importance of not clinging to things and labels to help you feel like you have self-worth. And I think that's why people can't cut the fat. As you said, if they, Oh, oh what would happen if I said, no, what would people think? Or what kind of mom would I be if my kids aren't in five things or what kind of, you know, if my my kid doesn't get into the best college, what is it like? What? Like, you know, and this is where I, the biggest lesson is to teach my kids. Like you aren't what you do. You aren't what you do. Like you are a human being worth you know, being loved and celebrated in your entirety. And if you get a bad grade, okay, like the world goes on, you know, it's like, yeah. this is the the kind of clarity that I would hope that everyone gets out of this is the space to just breathe and enjoy yeah. each moment as it is. It gave us perspective really. Definitely. And, and also on the importance of relationships. You know, I think we right. see where those kids really got stuck in again and burnout, right? of going, um, being stuck at home in front of a computer, yeah. uh, not able to make those, those really, really important connections and, right. um, in like in really crucial times of their development. So I know, right. do you, do you, are you supporting kids in your practice with burnout? Do you see that a lot? No, I don't have the multimodality staff to deal with kids, especially mm -hmm. if you're trying to yeah. make, um, changes in their food and in swallowing pills. I mean, it gets kind of to the simplistic level and I just don't have the coaching staff in house to help handhold because right. kids can be a hard group. I miss seeing my kiddos um, in family practice. That's one of the, the trade-offs that I had when I left is I knew right. I'd miss the babies and stuff, but no, um, you know, there's so many things that kids can do. And as a mom of three teens, mm. I know that there's limit, limited available or limit, uh, limited say I have on my own kids. I mean, I've had to learn to let go and trust the, the universe, the collective that, you know, my kids have their own lessons to learn. I can sit there and tell them you should be eating this. You should be taking this, but you know what? They're, they're their own kids and they're going to make their decisions. And I'm, I'm trusting that they're going to figure it out. They're going to have the, the confidence and their lessons may come later. That's right. Yeah. yeah. All that. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about we we have um, just a few more minutes with you, and I would I want to hear a little bit more. I think what would be um, super helpful for for anyone listening, especially the practitioners out there who are who are listening, um, but also any of us who are who are dealing with burnout, um, a little. Can you give us kind of a maybe an example or, sure. or a little case study, even like yeah, or even just working how about. With? Yeah. How about some tips? Yeah. With how about tips some tips? Tips, um, tips and scripts. Yeah. So yeah. So burnout, if you're feeling burned out and you're looking to call more flow training, you know, um, after one and a half years in the flow research collective, you learn a lot about the neuroscience of flow and there are ways to trigger flow. I mean, flow is a four phase cycle in the brain. Um, there's all sorts of 
cool, geeky neuroscience behind it. But there are things called flow triggers that help you prime your brain to maybe dip into flow easier. And then there's also flow blockers to remove, right? Mm -hmm. So our brain is always getting creative ideas, but often we're just not aware of them. Our, our alpha brain waves are tucked in the back. They're on 24 seven, but we're usually using the front part of our brain, that prefrontal cortex. And that's what everyone's doing right now. They're listening. They're, they're trying to store things in their memory. Uh, but those alpha brain waves, they're kick ass. Sorry. They're mm -hmm. awesome because they give you the best ideas. They're the ones that give you epiphanies. Right. And if you remember the story of Archimedes, who is the, the mathematician years ago, 2020 BC, who was trying to figure out how to calculate the volume of an object. Then he went into the bath and he saw the water come out and he ran through the streets naked, shouting, Eureka, you know, <laughs> aha. That is the perfect example of alpha brainwaves. That is what happens. Your brain like comes up with ideas. So, so our goal. So that's a, sorry, real quick, that's a trigger. That is a trigger. Okay. Yes. Being in uh, showers, bathtub, basically any kind of relaxed wakefulness is a trigger for flow. Mm. So that's why when people go on a walk, they're just sort of not really, you know, doing, and then all of a sudden you have ideas, right? Or you're in a shower, 72% of us have ideas in the shower or, you know, all these things, you know, so yes, right. Keep, keep Guilty. like a, a Yes. Right. <laughs> keep, keep a little journal by the shower. So all these things happen, but because we're human and we're just so, you know, I've got to get to work. I mean, we forget that our bodies, our brains are just creative and they're giving you ideas all the time. Mm -hmm. And so being aware of that is one thing. So these flow triggers are things like getting out in nature, a uh, good mood, putting on a comedy or a, a dancing music playlist that you like, anything to raise your dopamine or serotonin, uh, practicing gratitude. I like to encourage practitioners to savor one thing a day. Um, I love the word savor because, you know, we've all heard about gratitude. So sometimes I think people are tired of hearing about, I know I should have a gratitude journal. I'm like, okay, well, let me switch the word for you. What about savor? What do you savor once a day? It's the same thing, mm -hmm. but yes. it kind of has a different feel like, ooh, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when you prime your brain to induce and, and look at these flow triggers, you're more likely to get into flow. And the flow blockers that you can look to remove are things like distraction. So notifications, you know, all the things we have in our screens and in our phones. If you are multitasking, you're not doing anything. You're, you've got right. a you and I task, right? And looking at mindset, you know, if you're fixed mindset, is there, you're not going to get into flow, right? So, you know, practicing this cognitive flexibility that, yes, I can do things that are new, um, you know, and stress and improper fueling of your physiology. If you're running on an hour of sleep, it's going to be very hard to get into flow. So there's a lot of these ways you can sequence. Um, but if you want to nail it to one equation, I like to call it the AHA equation after Archimedes, right? A-H-A. So A stands for anchor. So mm -hmm. If burnout is feeling depersonalized, then flow is anchoring into something meaningful to you, something value of your value. So nice. whatever task you're doing, whatever, look at the anchored view, right? How does this, how can I put myself into this? You know, even if it's a, a job you really don't like, but find yourself in it. If you can find yourself in it in some way, then you've anchored that into a mission that's greater than yourself. The second, right. the H is highlight. So if flow is, we feel like we're, you know, not seeing any kind of achievements, you know, low perception of achievement, well, then let's highlight milestones and feedback. 
you know, highlight metrics that mean something to you, not press gainy, not pounds on a scale, something else that's meaningful, you know, um, and everybody can design their own metric. You can have a happiness metric or whatever, but like something that you can measure that you're getting ahead. And then finally activate. So flow, you know, if burnout is emotional exhaustion, we want to activate awareness of energy. And a lot of that is emotional upkeep and work, embody those emotions, you know, name them, where are they in your body? You know, work with that and activate your body in ways that energize you. And the aha equation is gets easier and intuitive and instinctual. The more you just prime your brain with that. I love that. Thank you. I love that. I love having that as a tool and, and reminding yourself, like even put it on the wall and right. just be like, okay, hey, wait a minute, where am I right now? And how am I feeling? Yeah. You know, and I, I have actually, I've looked back on this summer personally. Um, I think Cheryl can attest to this, um, to, of feeling, I, I, it's so clear how much in burnout I've been. Um, I run a business, um, I run a meal delivery business. It's been between staffing and price changes and people, all of my clients, a lot of them just going, Hey, we're out for the summer. See ya. We're, we're on vacation now because people have been so pinned up, not able to travel. It caused a lot of stress and there's a lot going on for me, both just personally, but also professionally and juggling all of that. And so when I look back on it, I have all the symptoms. I completely related to all that you've shared so far. And the more I think about it, the more I, I kept thinking, I wanted to blame so many other things, questioning myself, questioning, um, sure. you know, what the direction of things, you know, wanting to rip my, my husband's head off every, you know, half second, um, you know, just showing all the signs of, of oh, how, sure. um, overwhelmed. And so I guess when, when I think about pulling myself out of it, you know, it's hard to be your own practitioner. Mm-hmm. So when you, and I think I know some of the resolutions that I needed to, to like take, which is to start to get in, into a rhythm of my life and the basics. But what is a, what is a script? Like what I know we can during our day anchor ourselves and be and have a sense of of gratitude for the things that are working and reframe what's, you know, when we feel stuck. But physiologically, burnout is having an impact on our body. It does. I it ages you. It. it right. It ages you um, it, through all the the oxidative stress and damage at, at a cellular level. You're aging yourself. So it comes down to when people are are circling the drain of burnout and they recognize it. And if you're listening to this right now and you're like, "That sounds like me. I feel burned out." You're not alone. Everybody has burnout. We normalize it. It's not something to feel ashamed about. Although it's still taboo. Oh. You know, it's like, we're told we can avoid it. No, you can't. You're going to get burned out, right? So if you're feeling that way, reach out either to a, like a life coach, a therapist. I mean, not your friends. I love your friends, but they're not trained, right? You need a right. trained professional, a mentor, somebody who can help you through this and really get clear on your goals. And it might mean saying no to a huge thing that you've been carrying and putting it down and saying, I can't do this anymore. It might mean leaving a job. It might mean going part-time. It might mean saying yes to certain things, no to others. It might mean less pay for more happiness. I mean, there's all sorts of different ways that you can peel this onion, but it it's really starts with you and your values and kind of going down deep and saying, what, where do I want to go? Because the self you were 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, before COVID, 
ourselves are different now. Our values are different. They shift. And when we forget to check in with ourselves, um, I feel like we're living in this meat suit skeleton that we should re-up our lease every year and ask ourselves, like, <laughs> am I still doing what I need to do? I still want the power windows and the locks. I mean, like, what do I want? Right. And like, right. if we get used to talking to ourselves kindly every year, are we still on that track? Or maybe our values have shifted. 10 years ago, I needed stability. I needed a paycheck. I had younger kids. I got burned out with that and said, I need some more creativity in my life. So I shifted. And that's the advice I give any practitioner or anybody, any friend, like, hey, if you're burned out, you need to talk this through with somebody who can drill down to those values, help you see things with clarity. And then it's like the road is so easy, but you need that trained professional to help. So you see it as more of a mental health resolution than you do a a physiological resolution. Oh, it's both. I think it's like hard to split hairs and say one is not, you know, it's, it's either, or it's everything we are, we are biological energetic beings that are affected by other people's nervous systems around us, um, which can affect our cortisol. So like example, if you're in a toxic relationship or family situation, it's going to be hard for you to see your own thoughts because you're so immersed. So I, I don't think it's um, fair to say it's either or it's a lot of everything and just really being mindful to take care of yourself, eating healthy, good sleep patterns, and then getting that support, you know, that you need. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I love this conversation. I was actually talking about burnout with one of my clients last night and she was like, like, what are some of the things that you do? And I was like, you know, and I, cause we were talking about like, just making space to flow, like mm-hmm. this ability. And I was like, And I was telling her, I go, you know, between every single functional medicine client appointment, I run outside. And even if it's for two minutes or five minutes, I touch the grass. I love that. I just stand barefoot outside. It doesn't matter how cold it is. I was like, I'll run outside, touch a tree, just anchor myself in nature, give fresh breath of air, run a lap around the block, come back. Yep. Yep. Set myself like, up for my next client. Perfect. You know? Yeah. And it's like, that's the thing is like all of us. And again, I deal with burnout in patients, in practitioners, and we all do want to blame a system. And we're right. The system is, is broken. We can't sit around eating fruit from our trees in our collective garden, you know, and, and we have jobs, we have to pay bills, but it comes down to your own energy conservation. And if you're feeling that you're running on fumes, you have got to pull over on the road and you got to park the car and you've got to take care of yourself because you're not yeah. going to drive much further. So. I was just to say, I mean, we even, you know, even in our own home, we try to play hooky twice a year. Mm. Just, we leave ourselves like space every winter and every summer where we're like, we just know yeah. we're going to find a day where we're just going to look at each other and be like, we're yeah. playing hooky today. It's yeah. I do that with my day. kids. Yeah. My kids get one mental health day every month to use in school. And the, there's rules around it. Like you can't have a test that day, you can't, but like they should tell me ahead of time. And I excuse them from school. One of my core value number four is prioritizing play and creativity. And my staff knows that put on the calendar that you won't be there and you get the day off. You know, this is important. So yeah, this is a great, great conversation. And I really appreciate that you're bringing this topic to your listeners. And it's been, it's been wonderful to be your guest. It's so, so glad. Much. We're so For glad to that. have you, Laura. Thank you for the work that you do in this world. It is it is wonderful to like pull the veil and kind of knock people over the head and remind them that like, hey, this isn't normal <laughs> or right. it doesn't have to be normal. Um, yeah. And and I think because I think part of the challenge is just recognizing that actually burnout is happening, period. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And don't be ashamed. Everyone's, That's right. everyone's feeling it. Yeah, yeah. Let's just normalize it. I appreciate yes. that a lot. So Laura, tell us where our listeners can find you because your book is amazing. Your podcast is amazing. 
Well, I love it. You can follow me on social media. DrLaraSalier.com is my website. That's also my handle for Instagram and TikTok. Um, and I have a book, Right Brain Rescue. It's my own personal memoir, um, just my journey between from burnout to bliss. And um, I'd love to just interact. If you're a practitioner, sign up for my newsletters. I give out stuff all the time, just creativity, mm. ways to put creativity into your medical practice. And if you live in Wisconsin and Illinois, you can find me on my, my website. I'm happy to connect as well. Awesome. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. appreciate it, Laura. Have a great day. Keep up the good work, everybody, and keep peeling back the onion. We'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Peeling the Onion Podcast. If we've inspired you to take the next step in your healing journey, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can also find us on Instagram and online at peelingtheonionpodcast.com. Music by Greg DeJazu and podcast production by Nova Media. Until next time, keep peeling the onion.